Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. This week I'm joined by Sarah Liz King who is an exercise physiologist and a health and recovery coach. We talk all about exercise in this episode and finding a relationship with exercise post eating disorder recovery, whether this is adding exercise in or reducing exercise after a compulsive relationship. We speak about a stepped approach to this and how you can do this with compassion to make sure that going forward your relationship with exercise is sustainable and also brings enjoyment to your life. For the listeners, we're obviously going to talk about um, eating disorders and finding your um, refinding your relationship with exercise after having an eating disorder, um, which I think so many people have a difficulty with because exercise is something that we all do. Like even if you don't, you know, necessarily go to the gym and absolutely pump it out or sweat it out, like you need to move to kind of, you know, go about your day to day life. So just to start with, do you want to kind of give an introduction to yourself and how and why this is an important topic for you? Yeah, so my name is Sarah. Um, You'll find me on all of the online platforms at Sarah Liz King. Um, I'm an exercise physiologist, so you could say I'm a little bit biased in terms of the fact that I'm very intrigued by exercise Mm -hmm. and so much so that it is my profession. Alongside that, I am a health and recovery coach. So I have my own lived experience of recovering from an eating disorder, um, compulsive exercise and hypothalamic amenorrhea. And the reason why I do what I do is because there wasn't really anyone specifically in the area of exercise that I was able to speak to during my own recovery that had really a really good ability to help me work my way through some of the major obstacles that I was facing a lot of the advice that I had gotten was either complete you know abstinence don't do any exercise at all just sit tight and rest or if you you know do do exercise it always has to be like very light very moderate and there was no way of anyone helping me move back into a place where I wanted to exercise a little bit more intensely and work on performance. So now today I help people navigate both sides of the spectrum. So I see people that have had a relationship with exercise or movement where they have felt a lot of shame and haven't wanted to move their bodies and have avoided movement for a really long period of time. Uh, I see people who have compulsively moved their bodies and it's my job and my passion to help people find that messy middle ground in between where movement feels good or you can at least get to a place where you appreciate it. Um, It is a privilege to enjoy exercise and not everybody does, but there are many benefits that it can afford us. So learning how it can fit into our lives in a way that feels good for each person is really important. Yeah. You know, that's such an interesting thing that you just said there, and this is maybe a fault of my own. Um, But, you know, through eating disorder recovery, I guess my only angle has been that somebody is, had a difficult relationship with exercise and therefore they've been compulsively exercising um and they need to re-establish their relationship there but I've never really considered and maybe it's because it doesn't align with my experience that people will have had you know a traumatic relationship with exercise in the past or maybe it's something that they've not been physically able to do before and then now post eating disorder recovery that's something that they can now start to do so I'd really like to kind of explore that with you first and you know how do you go about supporting somebody when they've had maybe a traumatic experience or exercise hasn't felt like something that they've been you can hear my <laughs> dog, dog barking in the background yeah 
we love it we we love the pets to come on in um yeah for for somebody that's had that experience to then you know i guess start exercising again so i guess trauma informed care is it's something that will be you know you have to go slowly slowly with each person and i always like whenever i'm welcoming someone into my clinic my virtual clinic you know it is understandable that they've probably shared their story a million times before and they might not want to do it a hundred more times but someone's experiences can really give us insight as to where we're starting and where we want to go i think when you've had experiences of feeling a lot of guilt and shame and those are the predominant feelings that often come up for people that experience exercise avoidance we're really trying to emphasize that in the first instance exercise can be approachable and we are working on exposure i guess similar to what you would work on when you are breaking those you know food rules and food fears we are facing fear and we have to do that in ways that feel comfortable for the individual i think most people think about exercise being done in a gym or exercise having to be exhaustive or intense in order to quote unquote count and i think a lot of these assumptions often keep people from doing anything you know if exercise has to be something that feels like punishing or um always like really really hard that it can even stop someone from going for a really lovely walk that might be something that they really like to do or it could stop them from you know dancing with their friends when they're out and so it's really about exploring movement outside of the box of just exercise to start that groundwork of going, okay, well, now that we've got a few experiences that are more positive, where you've done some movement that feels good and you've kind of rewritten these stories that you've had in your head about exercise, where is it that we actually want to go, right? And there doesn't have to be a goal of running a 5K, you know, run or going to the gym a certain number of times. It can literally be like, very very flexible because i think whenever you've had a relationship with exercise that might have been either compulsive or avoidant a lot of people focus on these like outcome based goals and while those are fine to have i think also focusing on these like process based goals of you know enjoyment around exercise and flexibility and learning all the cues of how to listen and respond to your body in an exercise sense because we hear about it all the time in like a nutrition sense is a really key focus of, of what I do and what I help people with yeah yeah I think that's so lovely and I guess it's almost seeing the broader picture of what exercise can bring to you rather than just being like you know I think having specific goals can be useful because then you can like you know track progress and things like that but maybe in this kind of sphere when you're trying to recover your relationship with exercise thinking about you know the bigger things like you said like enjoyment and flexibility and stuff so much more important um it's really interesting what you were saying there about like dancing with your friends and you know actually being able to enjoy going out for a walk and stuff and one thing that kind of came to my mind based on my personal experiences I remember being at university and like I'd be going out clubbing with my friends or you know I'd be going out for a walk with my mum or something like that and in my head it'd be like okay well this is a great opportunity because this is extra steps or like, you know, this is a way to burn more calories or this is a way to get more exercise in. And it took away the enjoyment of being free in the moment of dancing with my friends in the club. Or it took away the enjoyment of being in the moment, going for a walk with my mum. Because rather than being able to appreciate the scenery or, you know, notice the flowers or things like that, we couldn't stop. Because I was like, no, 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 we've got to keep going. Like if we stop, then that makes that makes us walk it's like it doesn't have purpose and I think 
that's the one of the things I wanted to ask you about is how how do you work with clients to shift their mindset so that you know when they're doing something that would be seen as exercise or physical activity or moving your body to not have that sort of you know exercise mindset of like you know I'm doing this and and this is for x purpose and actually it's about being in the moment and it's so tricky I would Mm -hmm. say that part is probably trickier than uh the food part for a lot of people because there's no one way to tackle it however what I found has been most useful is to think about what your intentions are for exercise before you begin and if you notice that maybe your mindset and maybe your intentions aren't coming from the healthiest place and that you can already feel quite like agitated and hypervigilant and there's kind of this compulsive drive, what can you do before you begin to shift that? So obviously your nervous system's like on fire, your brain is just kind of overwhelmed and there's lots of thoughts looping. So I always try and go, okay, this is where we are right now. Where do we want to be in terms of our mindset, in terms of what we want to or what, how we want our exercise to feel. And can we do that before we actually go for the walk, do the workout, whatever, dance with our friends, before a night out, whatever it might be. And while that might not be possible 100% of the time, if you become aware of when it's happening, because it can happen quite early in the day, mm-hmm. it can happen the night before, it can happen two days prior, you know that your brain can be preoccupied on these things very far in advance. Can you catch yourself and try to do this activity either with your therapist, with a coach, in your journal, to shift things, shift your mindset, shift your intention? The other thing that can be really useful to break more of that kind of, I guess, compulsive nature is throwing in elements that break the loop right so you mentioned that if you were to stop on a walk and appreciate your surroundings or you know take a break to sit down from dancing when you were out with your friends that it would remain like you know that activity would be quote-unquote pointless so it's making a point of breaking that circuit you know if you have a particular route that you're always walking on Can you go a slightly different way? It is going to feel like you want to pull your hair out when you do it. You are going to have to sit with some of that discomfort. But creating slight variations in your routine and disrupting that repetitive, fixed nature of what you're doing is one of the greatest ways to show your brain that you can handle flexibility. And the flexible part is so much better than that all or nothing mindset of either doing it 150,000% or doing 0%. Because when you have elements of flexibility and when you've shown yourself that you can do different things and survive the experience, even if it is a little bit uncomfortable, you start to see that there's a way out of this. And I think that is the most important place to start. Yeah. I love that actually and I'm so glad that you said you know it feel it can potentially feel like you want to pull your hair out because I know for me um this is actually a journey that I'm kind of going through right now and um you know changing my relationship with exercise you know through recovery of an eating disorder and it genuinely feels like the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done in my life. And I think when you're when you're stuck in that ritualistic pattern of, you know, having certain ways to exercise and having to do certain things, it does feel absolutely horrific to, to break that. Um, but if you can break it and you do sit with it and you do process it, the next time feels slightly easier and then almost it becomes second nature to not do those things and and I actually now look back and I think how in God's name did I have the energy or whatever to 
do that before and I think that's a really interesting concept that I found as well is that I now when I'm exercising um like I I personally do love going to the gym like I used to power lift and like you know pre-eating disorder and that was something that I absolutely adored and so I'm trying to re-establish my relationship with the gym but what I've done recently is rather than going in and absolutely you know pounding myself to the wall for 45 minutes I'm now trying to build my strength and I'm I'm focusing on developing like my cardiovascular fitness and stuff and I'm actually like feeling my muscles and things like that but I didn't have the capacity to do that before because it was all just about getting in burning calories and leaving yeah and that was really difficult to break that cycle of like running from one machine to the next to get things done but now I'm like oh what was the point in that yeah and I think it's so important to know that there's no exercise off limits. If mm. you have done a particular form of exercise and maybe your eating disorder has kind of ruined that for you somewhere along the way, but there was a part of you that genuinely loved it, you can recapture that again if you want to. You have the ability to go to the gym and lift heavy again or to run a race or to hit a new PB and all of those things are completely okay and can give you something to really look forward to. And I think that's important. I think what's helpful in kind of reestablishing your relationship is also understanding how exercise impacts your body. What is happening? What is the physiological process that it goes through? So that you can kind of respect its needs to get the most benefits out of it. And I think, you know, that's where my like very sciencey nerdy side comes in because I get curious with people. I'm like, I know rest between sets, you know, might be hard for a lot of people and they might not understand why do we even put those breaks in between their sets? You know, what's happening there? You know, going through, this is what happens with your muscles and they need this tell amount us, of time. Us. Pattern. Yeah, Tell so us. you know, if you're trying to build strength and you are contracting your muscle, it uses an energy process that needs time to reset, right? So if we don't give our muscles enough time to reset the next set that we do, it won't have that like energy system ready to go and it won't be firing as efficiently if we don't let our heart rate completely come down and we don't wait that, you know kind of like two minute mark if we're, we're doing more of a strength based workout where we're lifting quite heavy for shorter amounts of reps. This is very different from the response that your body gets when you're doing cardiovascular exercise, for example, where you have a sustained heart rate for a longer period of time. And even then, it's really interesting to kind of talk to people about like, do you know what the predominant fuel source that is used during this exercise and you know are you prioritizing those fuel sources around your training so that you have not only the energy to feel good during that run bike ride swim whatever you're choosing to do but also afterwards do you understand the recovery process to prime your body to get the most benefits to recover so that next time your fitness, your strength, your cardiovascular system is adapting to get better and stronger. Because when we go to the gym, we are putting our body under stress. It is a positive stress, but it is stress. Mm -hmm. And during that time, that's not when we are getting fitter and stronger. That's when we're putting our body under the stimulus it's actually when we take our time to recover and recovery processes include, you know, good fuel, enough time to kind of like get good quality sleep, managing our stress and, you know, is our training schedule allowing for the right amount of days in between whatever we're doing so that our muscles can be ready for the next bout that we're doing. So all of that kind of feeds into helping people really get 
curious about, okay, like if I have this more logical understanding, it might help me in those moments where I like really want to push because I think I'm going to get more out of it if I do to actually go, oh, actually training smarter is about doing it this way because this is what's happening to my body during this process right now. Mm. Yeah. I have two questions. Go for it. And this is me being um, devil on my shoulder. First one is, yeah, I'll go with this one first. Um, That all makes total sense. As somebody that's used exercise as self-harm in the past, then the idea of letting my muscles recover giving myself the appropriate things I need in order to recover. That all sounds way too nice to my body to do Mm. that. How do I, you know, shift that perspective so that it goes? Because I'm in a place now where I want to to grow and I want my exercise to be beneficial to me. But a few months ago, it was all about, you know, I I would say that my exercise was a form of self-harm because I was trying to punish myself and I was trying to hurt myself and that seemed like a logical route to do it with my eating disorder. So if you'd have told me then, you know, you need to take rest in between your sets to look after yourself, I'd be like, yeah, but that's that's literally not what I'm trying to achieve through this exercise. Yeah, and I, I think we can kind of make a similar analogy between you know body image if we think about completely you know hating our bodies and then this concept of radical self-love it can feel like a step too far if we're over on this side right so we have to think about this spectrum of okay if exercise has been a form of punishment for us and that's it's on one side and, you know, moving our bodies for enjoyment and really like, you know, appreciating and loving our body for all that it does for us sits on the other side. What sits in the middle? What is that next little step away from the punishment? And I think it's just that. I think it is whatever, and you can, you know, anyone listening who might be experiencing this brainstorm if I was to take one step away from punishment what does that look like Mm. one step removed from treating my body the way that I usually have with exercise and it might be very small it might seem insignificant to other people but again that is the next best step and it is just proving to yourself in those really small minute ways that you can have something be different and that Mm. it being different doesn't mean that it's quote-unquote bad. Mm -hmm. Keeping your language quite neutral and focusing on one experience at a time is incredibly helpful because I think when you're coming out of an eating disorder where your thinking has been very rigid and very controlled, it sees one change as never going back and it hates that (laughs) so if you say to a person you can try this and if you absolutely hate it you can always go back to what you were doing before they think you're a crazy person but it helps create kind of this openness to just giving it a try which I think is so important because if we try if we don't try we'll we'll never know so one of the things I always say to people is like when are you making that first change that one step removed from wherever you might be, just keep reminding yourself, this is just what I'm trying at this moment in time. Mm. This is just what I'm focusing on in this moment in time. If I choose to do things differently tomorrow or in five weeks from now, that is fine. But today I'm just choosing to do it this way and be curious about what happens because I don't think it's this big leap from punishment to radically enjoying or loving exercise. I think it's a series of stumbling steps and we have to be okay with them being a little bit messy because that's how we'll learn. And that's so integral, integral to this process. Growth isn't 
linear a lot of times in recovery. I always say it's kind of circular. Something happens and then you kind of evaluate what happens and then you kind of think about what went well and what you learned and maybe what you do differently. And then you kind of expand out on that circle again. So it's a very like circular growth. Um, so that is what I would say if you are someone struggling with that kind of more punishment related mindset and history. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think um, so because of the sort of all or nothing mindset that can be so common, you're kind of like, you know, if I'm not punishing myself, then it has to be like the radical acceptance and stuff. And, and that can feel so far away and like something that is just like completely unachievable um and I think it's the same thing with you know when people I completely understand that there may be some you know medical um instances where people do need to have complete abstinence from exercise but that was my when I had my first experience of eating sort of that was my experience and I went from lots and lots of exercise to no exercise and it didn't allow me to rebuild my relationship with exercise. It didn't allow me to have the support of the therapist to kind of understand what exercise was providing for me and why I felt like I needed to lean into it. And in the end, I just continued having a really poor relationship with exercise. But I think, like you've said there, that stepped approach, taking things slowly, it does allow you to unpick everything and understand, you know, what role is this having in my life? Why do I feel like I need to do this? Um, and to really actually establish, you know, strong, strong behaviours and coping mechanisms in place and strong thoughts around it and really re-establish your relationship with exercise in a more positive way because you're taking it slowly and thinking about what's working for you rather than just like dive bombing into something, getting terrified and then being like, well, actually, I just think I need to go back to the exercise. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And the other question that I wanted to ask you is I really liked the stuff that you were saying about like the physiology and things like that and recovery and stuff. My question would be how how do you go from being in an eating disorder that can be very obsessive and ritualistic and have rules and, you know, things that you need to follow to then moving into a place where you feel like you need to exercise in the right way and you need to eat in the right way in order for it to optimize your performance and your rest breaks need to be this long and you need to do this amount of reps in order to achieve something and if you don't do that then there's no point that sort of thing I think it could very naturally become something that's like almost seen by society as a healthy behavior but it's actually just another obsession that is grinding your life down because you have to exercise in a certain way to achieve certain things yeah and I think you know sometimes we have these you know disordered behaviors that look like dedication um, and they often appear that way to society. And it's really only when you are honest with yourself about the reasoning behind why you're doing something that you can get to the root of whether you are just really feeling inspired by pursuing a goal or that goal is ruling your life. Mm -hmm. And there is this kind of tricky realm that we sit in where unless we're asking the right questions, we're not really sure what's happening on the inside for people. So we always, like I said, have people really think about their intentions for exercise before they go. We also talk about things like what are your red flags for exercise? What are the things that you need to look out for that start to give you or the people around you an indication that things might not be happy healthy flexible and good for you and you you often do that in eating disorder recovery anyway relapse prevention planning is a really good example of that but it's so much easier to kind of pick up on these little lapses or these little slips before they turn into a landslide so again a really good 
exercise to do with your coach, your therapist, an exercise physiologist, even in your journal, is to think about what are all my green flags? What are all the indications that I know that I'm in a really good headspace and body space when it comes to exercise? Write all of those down. And then write down all of your red flags. And then there'll also be this like murky space in between that's like your yellow orange flags, where, for example, one is often like, you know, I'm feeling tired when I go to the gym. Sometimes you could just have had a very mentally taxing day with work and you're unsure whether exercise is a good idea. That's a very normal occurrence for a plethora of people, not just those that have had the past of disordered eating. And those experiences are really important to navigate and have someone as a sounding board to talk about, you know, what happened. If you were really tired, were you able to tell yourself that you could leave after a certain number of exercises? Or did you feel like you had to finish the workout just because that was the way that it was written? Did you allow yourself to go home because you'd had a really big day and just, you know, forego that workout for the week or shift it to another day if it fit easily into your schedule? And how did that work for you? But, you know, there are, even though there are, I guess, specific scientific principles that guide us towards hitting a performance-based goal, the thing to remember is the time pressure. Are you putting yourself under huge amounts of time pressure to get there? Or are you seeing this as a goal that happens as a result of you just being relatively consistent and exercise fitting into and around your life Mm. instead of the other way around? I think that pressure and perfectionist aspect of it and having unrealistic high standards for your exercise which we know you know a lot of people that have a history of disordered eating often fit into that you know type a personality i know i i definitely do um you have to be very honest with yourself very vigilant with what's happening for you and kind of treat any disordered thoughts and behaviors like a three-year-old throwing a tantrum and go, no, we don't do it like that anymore. And have a pathway that allows you to go, okay, that happened. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. But this is how I'll plan for future experiences around this to do it in a more sustainable or respectful way towards your body. You know, I think the thing that I'm hearing the most, and it makes me laugh that like I'm only just realising this now chatting to you, but we all have to have these realisations and it's good to have them rather than to not, is that you know, every question in my head that I'm kind of being like, yeah, but how, how would I know like the intention behind that or how do I know this or that and the other? And I'm just like, can you always know? You just need to take a second to say to yourself, What's the intention behind this? And be really honest with yourself. And I think that's so hard to do. But I think when you're kind of swept up into this, you know, exercise, eating disorder cycle, so much of the time, the behaviours that you do, you don't even think about why you're doing it, why it's happening. Is this a good idea? You know, should I actually be doing this? What's my intention? It just happens. And actually to give yourself you know, even like 10 seconds to just pause and think, why am I doing this? You know, is this actually going to be beneficial to me in the long term? Or is this coming from a place of discomfort or, you know, a place of punishment and that sort of thing? And I don't want to say like, oh, it's just as simple as that and what have you, because I think that's probably the hardest thing to do to stop yourself in the moment when it feels so overwhelming. But I think if we, if we think about you know all of these different things really like checking in with yourself and saying to yourself why are we doing this and is this going to be beneficial in the long term I think translates into so many different elements and is the key to actually kind of building that relationship back with exercise Um, and I think it's really uncomfortable and it's hard to be honest with yourself and you know if you do then get 
okay, yeah, actually, this is coming from a disordered place. And I actually don't want to exercise right now, but I feel like I have to. It's then, you know, the steps after that are then the really difficult bit and the uncomfortable bit and how sometimes you may respond well and you may think, okay, yeah, today actually I'm going to I'm gonna go ring a friend rather than go to the gym. And other days you might go and you might go and you might do something that you don't think is beneficial in the long term. But I think often having that just little bit of reflection means that next time when it happens again, you can notice it and then really start to build on that. Yeah. and you know, urges happen for so many different reasons. Exercise can be a definite urge that you experience during your eating disorder. Um, But I think if you have the ability to pause, that pause can be so transformational because then you can choose to do something differently, even if it's small. Even if the choice is to go, I'm just going to put on a timer, for five minutes and if in five minutes time I still want to do exactly the thing that I had planned in my mind I can but you can take those five minutes to just distract yourself and kind of reduce down your nervous system that might be a bit overactive and then see how you feel because oftentimes that's enough time to decide that maybe you'll do something a little different that day yeah it's it's interesting as well I was just thinking about um I like during lockdown and stuff used to do these workout videos at home and my friend said to me in order to kind of you know work on this because I wasn't happy doing them just don't just stop two seconds before the end of the workout and I was like two seconds it's going to make no difference what do you mean and he was like no this week you'll do two seconds then next week do five then do 10 and really work on building that up and whilst it felt so oh my god I'm sorry Sarah has just put her dog on the screen oh wow they are beautiful he'll be quiet if he sits on my lap because everyone's coming home at this time so he's just he's what's his name barking at everyone that's walking past his name's Henry oh god he's adorable he's uh, the one everybody i will i will show you henry he is beautiful <laughs> he's um, the star of the show oh god yeah my cats are too but i've closed the door on them today um and so i was just thinking about because i know earlier where i was like oh yeah you know building up really exercise after you know if that's something that you've not engaged with um, and we didn't we haven't really spoken about that but do you think that's sort of a similar approach in that rather than saying you know tomorrow I'm going to go run a marathon or you know tomorrow I'm gonna well today I'm gonna buy myself loads of new gym wear um all matching sets and all of this that and the other and then I'm gonna go into the gym and you know go lift all these heavy weights for for somebody that hasn't been able to engage in exercise for whatever reason do you think that's a similar approach in terms of the stepped thing so doing it you know, a little bit and then adding some more to that. What would your yeah. advice be there for someone? It is the same. It's just different in terms of like the behaviors that you're advocating for. So I always um, ask people like, you know, ideally what would you like to be doing in six months, 12 months, two years time? And then we kind of reverse engineer things. And oftentimes the first piece of homework I give people is incredibly small I want you to park a little bit further away from where you'd normally park just for, just your house that's it just one location that's all uh, and they're like that's strange why would I do that or you know I want you to explore a different coffee shop this week you know if you have a strip of shops that are a little bit different and and to remind yourself that, like, you know, if you're listening to this and you're finding these kinds of tips triggering, remember that you have to remember your own personal circumstance. Like the mm-hmm. tips that you're giving someone who might be completely avoiding exercise, it'll be very, very different from the tips you give someone who might be compulsively exercising. Mm-hmm. 
But you have to remember that our intention and the intention for those wanting to work on their relationship with exercise is to find their own messy middle ground. And so it is important to recognize that wherever we're starting, not to compare ourselves to the people around us. Because comparison is so tricky and it's so common. And it is the thing that can get us swept up in, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that or I should be further in my relationship with exercise than I am. And although this is a little bit of a tangent to what you originally asked, I think, yes, it is a stepped approach. But I think for everyone listening, if you are wanting to work on your relationship with exercise, the one thing to be incredibly cognizant of is when comparison pops up for you. And, you know, what story you tell yourself around that in terms of, you know, who are you comparing to? What story or assumptions do you make about those kinds of people in comparison to yourself? How can you bring it back to your own personal journey? Because, you know, although it won't remove the emotions that come up when when comparison happens, it will help you kind of go, okay, that's a normal response. But instead, this is what I am focusing on for me. And this is why it's important for me specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a key element there because I think comparison is often the the thief of our recovery in terms of, oh, I'm not doing it quick enough or, you know, they've done it at a better pace than me or oh you know they're still trapped in their eating disorder no I'm not and I wish I was and all of that and it it can really take over but I think like you said it's so important to to stay in your own lane and to focus on you know what's what's my goal here like what am I aiming towards and if that is to go from avoiding exercise to being able to engage in exercise that's going to look that path is going to look very different albeit you know a slow stepped approach it's going to look very different to somebody that is going from a very compulsive relationship to exercise that's then trying to find peace with exercise but whilst I think you know the behaviors may be in terms of one increasing slightly and one maybe reducing slightly I think it's still very similar because both people should be you know trying to work out you know what's right for me and what do I enjoy and what makes me feel good um and that does take time I think with one thing I found in my recovery is so much frustration around I just want this to be sorted now I just want to feel better now um and unfortunately that doesn't happen and you have to go through a lot of discomfort in order to reach a place where you feel better about things and I think even when you're you know you know I I don't think there's any end to this journey either because ultimately like exercise like you said is is a privilege that you know we can enjoy but if we think about like you know right now in this moment I'm enjoying x exercise well a few months down the line that could be something that I no longer enjoy or it could be something that I no longer have access to or you know things like that and so it's about constantly you know just checking in with yourself to say is this something that I'm still enjoying is this something that's still giving me the value that I used to kind of not value that I used to get from it before in terms of like to make you feel better as a person but you know the enjoyment or um things like that like I've never done a team sport because I'm I'm too competitive and I compare myself too much so I focus on individual sports but maybe in a few years I'll be in a place where team sports can be something that you know would really uplift me and I think you have to keep checking in to make sure that it's still providing you with benefits and positive things rather than it becoming another compulsion that you feel like you're stuck in yeah exactly and I think recovery can be such a wonderful time to explore things just for the joy of it not to like become the best x y and z Mm -hmm. but to literally just have the ability to try new things I remember um 
you know, recovery really knocked my confidence in, or my eating disorder, I should say, really knocked my confidence in a variety of different ways. Mm. And one of them was I was, you know, very outgoing and I loved new activities and my eating disorder kind of like took that away from me. And so during my recovery, I got, I kind of got sick of going to the gym. It was something that I used to love. And I definitely reached this point where I was like, this is boring. I do not want to be here. And I realized I didn't also like commercial gyms. So I put my membership on pause and I tried flying trapeze, (laughs) which you wouldn't think of it like, you know, going to the gym, but it was an element that had strength and flexibility and you had to think about timing and it was a big social factor Also, I had to overcome my fear of heights, you know, to climb up a ladder and it gave my brain something else to focus on. And I think that is really helpful. You know, even recently I tried bouldering for the first time, which was, you know, incredibly challenging. But at the same time, I was like, oh, it's so nice to be in an environment where something's a little bit physical, also social but it challenges your mind and it can just be like a fun way to spend some time where you're, you know, not looking at potentially numbers on a treadmill, for example. So I think keep in mind that what you enjoy, like you said, throughout your life will constantly change. And we also have to remember that you know, our body's ability to do certain things might also change. And that can be either incredibly positive, like we might be able to do something before that we never have been able to in the past, or our body could respond very differently and maybe we aren't able to do things now that we were able to do before. And really being able to be compassionate to those situations and realize like you still have capabilities, even if they look different, is a, is a huge element that I particularly focus on. I, I think my own personal experience of living with chronic pain has really shown me that, you know, you are still capable, but your capabilities might look different to what they did, you know, years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing to to recognise, isn't it, that life situations do change. And so, and it's okay for the exercise that you're doing to change. And, stuff. and that's what recovery gives you is that flexibility to be adaptable with that. I think if change happens and then you think, oh, I can't possibly change up things, that's probably an area to, to look into. And it's funny you should say about bouldering, actually, because I have just started bouldering. Um, it's something that me and my partner are doing together. And the thing that I really like about it is, like, you know, you said the social aspect and, um, you know, doing some physical activity. But one thing I really like is I will often stand at the bottom of the wall and I think I can't do that. That's way too high. Like, there's no way that I can do that. And then you get the encouragement of other people or, you you know, you have that self-belief and then you get up there and then you're like, oh my God, I'm up here and I've actually done it. And that's amazing. And sometimes you don't make it and sometimes you fall off and sometimes, you know, you might fall and land and what have you, but it's okay. And I think that's why I really like bouldering because the, the kind of, it's all about progression with the different runs and stuff like that. And it's, it's not necessarily, it's not about just being able to do it. Um, and then that being it, it's about, you know, working out different ways to do it or, um, you know, it might just be getting to the top or it might be increasing your time or whatever. And I think there's just so much progression there. That's not, it's, it's not about like the way that your body looks or anything like that. It's about using your brain to be like, how can I go in a different way of, like what different um bits can I climb up and stuff like that um yeah and the the difficulty it's not just one thing like it's not just necessarily it's the highest one you know you get those ones where you're properly like hanging off and and you're really like having to use your strength and I think that just the sort of variation and the the kind of signs of progress and um like doing well are there are for me they're a really 
um, I don't know what the word is, but they're very caring to myself. It's it's not punishment. It's about, you know, really using my brain and being adaptable. Um, yeah. But that was just something I wanted to add there. And I think for people who find, for example, like mirrors mm, yes. quite triggering, like thinking outside of the box, for example, a bouldering gym, mm. uh, which doesn't have mirrors and, you know, nobody's flexing their muscles in front of them. Mm-hmm. It can be like a much more positive experience to, to be in because you're focusing on a skill um, and building that skill as opposed to just, you know, hitting a new PB. Although, you know, progressing your runs, exactly mm-hmm. you know, similar in that respect, but I, I think there's a slight chains and shift that can be really helpful to people who might have had more of that compulsive nature or even avoidance to see that exercise doesn't have to fit in a box mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this perfect cookie cutter thing that you do in a certain way you can get benefits from doing lots of different things and getting to that place is completely possible for anyone listening, if you're feeling really strained in your relationship with exercise, it does take work, but it will afford you the ability to then be able to respectfully move your body throughout your life. And that's when you're going to get benefits today, tomorrow, the next day, because, you know, movement, particularly for, for women, is really important in terms of our like bone health and our heart health and things like that um but it doesn't have to be this like huge perfect bright shiny thing that we see on instagram in order for us to get those benefits yeah yeah and i mean that's a whole different conversation i think in terms of social media and exercise and the comparison there um which unfortunately we don't have time for today <laughs> um Sarah thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and this has been really useful for me so if it's not useful for anyone else which I totally think it will be um, <laughs> then thank you so much for, for the insight where can people go to find out more about you and to get more amazing advice so you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Liz King uh, we also have our online um exercise programming that we do so we have a very non-diet approach to anyone wanting to dabble in exercise and you can find that at better balance training um otherwise my website is sarahlizking.com and i also have a podcast which is called holistic health radio so you can find that on whatever your favorite podcasting platforms are or we are on youtube as well amazing so many places to explore how exciting Mm. (laughs) well thank you so much um enjoy your evening and i'm gonna go enjoy my day (laughs) if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe eating disorders are crippling illnesses but with the right support they can be recovered from we really hope you enjoyed this episode but if you require more support right now please look into charities such as first steps and beat for support or talk to someone you trust